what if? What if the outrageous and far-out stories from science fiction were true? What if the technology dreamt up by Asimov, Mosley, and Shelley were a reality? What if the theories of modern-day physicists like Hawking, Sagan, and Randall were proven? What if there are things beyond the scope of imagination of everyday folk like you and me, unless you are a brilliant physicist, in which case DM me so I can brag to everyone that you listen to this podcast? What if we allowed ourselves to believe the unbelievable? Welcome to Strange and Unexplained with me, Daisy Egan. I'm a writer and an actor who loves science fiction. I know that every human invention was once science fiction. The first time humans saw a large body of water, they probably thought there would never be a way to cross it. It took someone with imagination to be like, I bet if I hollowed out a big tree, we could float on this stuff. And everyone was like, okay, buddy, sure, you have fun with that. (laughs) Floating tree, could you imagine? And then they built a boat and the world was forever changed. The same might end up being true for the seemingly impossible theories proffered by quantum physicists like wormholes, string theory, multiple dimensions, and multiple universes. We might think it's absurd that otherworldly creatures would bloop in and out of existence on this plane, or on our planet, but maybe that's just because we haven't quite figured out the science behind it. Today, we'll visit a notorious spot of purported paranormal activity that even the U.S. government is curious about. Let's take a trip to Skinwalker Ranch. But first, before we put on our spurs, head to Utah, and don our tinfoil cowboy hats, here's a reminder for those of you who find yourself jonesing for more Strange and Unexplained in between regular episodes. We've got your fix over at patreon.com slash strangeandunexplained. For just five bucks a month, you get three bonus episodes. We've got astronaut treasure hunters, people who walk away from their lives only to reappear decades later, and all kinds of legends and lore. Plus, for just another two bucks, you get all that and all the regular episodes ad-free. So join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash strangeandunexplained for more of the strange content you need. And now, off to one of the most beautiful areas in the country. In 1994, Terry and Gwen Sherman bought a 480-acre ranch in northern Utah and moved in with their children and livestock. Investigative reporter George Knapp, writing for the Las Vegas Mercury, described the ranch this way, quote, "...well-watered pasture and a few thick patches of tall cottonwoods. It's divided into three sections, each section being a former homestead. Thick brush and a small river are on one side." A rocky, picturesque ridge is on the other side. Skinwalker Ridge is what the Utes call it. A long dirt road is the only way in or out of the ranch, end quote. Utes, to be clear, is the local band of indigenous people, not how Vinny Gambini pronounces youths in My Cousin Vinny. Oh, what was that word? Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? Just a heads up, I'll be quoting from Knapp's article quite a bit today because his two-part piece from 2002 was one of the most comprehensive. 
The house and property at Skinwalker Ranch sat empty for seven years. According to Knapp, the Sherman family, quote, were curious about the impressive array of bolts that covered the doors and windows of the main house. There were deadbolts on both sides of the doors. Even the kitchen cabinets had bolts on them. And at both ends of the house, iron stakes and heavy chains had been installed. Sherman guessed the previous tenants had positioned large guard dogs in the front and back of the home, but he had no idea why, end quote. I often think about how I would outfit my house and land when the zombie apocalypse and or civil war happens. Spikes and tripwires and etc. It's my Roman empire. But not once have I considered putting bolts on my kitchen cabinets. Then again, I just don't keep a lot of exciting junk food around. Maybe the folks before the Shermans were trying to protect their supply of Keebler cookies and Funyuns from the night munchies. Oh man, now I want Funyuns. The Sherman family's curiosity as to why there were these strange security measures in place was probably somewhat mollified when, on their first day there, the family saw a really big wolf on the pasture who casually walked up to them and rubbed up against their legs like he was the family dog. The wolf even let the Shermans pet it, which I'm sure I don't have to point out is extremely odd behavior for a wild predator. After a few minutes of probably terrifyingly feral affection, the wolf sauntered over to the fence around the cow pasture and, in more wolfish fashion, grabbed a calf by the nose with its teeth and tried to pull it through the fence. The family tried beating the wolf back with sticks, but the wolf was unfazed by the assault. Terry ran to his truck and got a 357 Magnum and apparently shot the wolf point blank. But the wolf kept wolfing, as though nothing at all had just happened, still trying to pull the poor calf through the fence. The next shot supposedly caused the wolf to let go of the calf, but then it just stood there, looking at the family like, what's up? Terry allegedly shot it two more times with the Magnum to no effect. And then, according to Knapp, quote, the mystified rancher retrieved a hunting rifle and shot the wolf again, once more at close range. Sherman is not only an experienced marksman, but a big game hunter of considerable repute. Five slugs should have been enough to bring down an elk, let alone a wolf. The fifth shot caused a chunk of hair and flesh to fly off the wolf, but it still didn't seem phased. After a sixth shot, the wolf casually trotted across the field into a muddy thicket. Sherman and his father tracked the beast for about a mile, following its paw prints through the mud. But the tracks suddenly ended, as if the wolf had simply vanished into thin air. End quote. Okay. The Shermans asked around about the wolf, but none of their neighbors had any idea what they were talking about. I can only imagine what those conversations must have been like. Hi, we're your new neighbors. We just moved in today. Say, by any chance, have you seen any huge, at first seemingly tame wolves who pretty much can't be harmed by bullets and can either fly or vanish into thin air? Um, no. And also, please don't ever come over here again. A few weeks later, Gwen said she saw another large wolf, this one so big its back was level with the top of her car window. It was accompanied, she said, by another smaller dog-like animal, a regular-sized wolf, a dog-like dog, a megafauna fox, who knows. 
And though the neighbors had never seen a massive wolf, over the next two years, they would, along with the Shermans, see plenty of other inexplicable things. One day, the Shermans saw another massive type animal, this one probably around 200 pounds and looking something like a gigantic muscular hyena, playfully clawing at one of their horses. From the description, it sounds like the thing was batting at the horse, almost the way my dog bats at me to get me to pet her. But when they got within 40 feet of the animal, it vanished into thin air right before their eyes. This was in broad daylight, and when they checked their horse, sure enough, there were claw marks on its legs. Why a horse would stand around letting a behemoth predator claw at it for fun is beyond me. But a few months later, Gwen reported seeing a similar animal running across the property. According to Knapp, quote, other creatures and beings were also seen, including exotic, multicolored birds that were certainly not native to the region and could not be identified. There were numerous close encounters with dark, nine-foot-tall beasts that resembled a Bigfoot or Sasquatch, end quote. At some point, Terry and his son, who were meditating along with a visitor to the ranch, saw something blurry running through the trees in the distance. It was big and fast enough that it crossed 100 yards in mere seconds and let out a roar so loud it could be heard hundreds of yards away. But no one got a good look at the thing because apparently, like the Predator in the movie Predator, it was nearly invisible, camouflaging itself with whatever was around it. Apparently, this visitor was so scared, he grabbed onto Terry and wouldn't let go. There seems to be no mention of what happened immediately after this, and I don't know what happened to the creature, but the visitor apparently never returned to the ranch, which seems like an absolutely reasonable response to this event. But it wasn't just creepy cryptids. Soon, the Shermans were smelling weird musky odors and seeing shafts of light that seemed to be coming from the ground. At night, the pastures would sometimes light up like a football field despite a lack of lights. They also said they heard what sounded like heavy machinery being operated from underground. And then came the voices. Terry, his son, and his nephew all claimed to hear loud, disembodied, deep voices speaking in a language they didn't understand. The voices seemed to be coming from about 20 feet above them, even though nothing was visible there. The men said the voices sounded pretty rude and mocking in tone, which makes sense if you think about it. You'd probably be pretty mocking, too, if the people 20 feet below you couldn't see you, even though you were right there. You'd be like, (laughs) look at those jabronis. They can only see in four dimensions. We're right here, dummies. And it wasn't just the Shermans who heard the disembodied, rude voices. The dogs could also apparently hear them because when they started up with the chatting, the dogs would growl and bark and then run off in a panic. One day, Terry went to check on his cows and found the earth dug up. Apparently, hundreds of pounds of soil had been displaced. According to Knapp, quote, the edges of the hole resembled perfect concentric circles as if someone had dropped a gigantic cookie cutter on the pasture. Several smaller scoop marks were also found, end quote. And speaking of circles, there were the crop circles that started popping up on the property. Quote, one formation found in their pasture consisted of three circles of flattened grass. 
Each circle was approximately eight feet in diameter, and they were arranged in a triangle pattern with each circle about 30 feet from the others, end quote. It was highly unlikely that pranksters had made their way to the ranch, Knapp points out, because there was only one road leading onto the ranch, and surely, even if the Shermans didn't notice anyone using it, the dogs would have. And then, in the spring of 95, Terry and his nephew saw what they thought was a foreign Winnebago on the property. When they approached it, the thing moved silently away from them and then rose up and flew away. The men said it was shaped like a refrigerator with one light on the front and one on the back. I must say, a refrigerator slash Winnebago shape is very unusual for a UFO sighting, and one can't help but wonder if the Shermans had watched Spaceballs the night before. I will add that if I ever get a spaceship of my own, I hope it looks like a shiny, tricked-out Airstream trailer. Terry told Zach Van Eyck of the Deseret News in 1996... It went over some poplar trees there that are probably 40 to 50 feet tall. That's the first time we realized it wasn't an RV. And Gwen said, It looked like headlights, but they were a little ways away from the craft, and there was a red glowing thing, about an 18-inch circle. It just lit the whole side of the mountain up like broad daylight. After that, UFO sightings on the ranch became a regular thing, usually around a new moon and when the sky was overcast. On one occasion, Terry and his son tried waving their arms to signal to the craft. The lights on the craft blinked on and off three times and then disappeared. The Shermans saw all manner of flying objects, including basic saucers, flying sombreros, flying tubes of light, a cigar-shaped craft that was several hundred yards long, and one that looked like a cloud hovering just outside the property. Perhaps this is what inspired Jordan Peele's nope. Spoiler alert. Sorry. The cloud seemed to light up from inside with what was described as blinking Christmas lights or mini-explosions, which I imagine looked like lightning from inside a cloud. And then there were the floating orbs of various sizes and hues, some that would open up and release smaller orbs, others the size of softballs that would circle around the horses and then fly off if anyone got too close, apparently, quote, maneuvering through tree branches with great speed and dexterity, end quote. It would be understandable, of course, for anyone seeing these phenomena to be afraid, but the Shermans reported feeling waves of fear far beyond what might be expected whenever the blue orbs appeared. It's as though the orbs were causing psychological changes in the Shermans. The dogs also saw these orbs of blue light. According to Knapp, one morning in May, the dogs were chasing and snapping at an orb which managed to stay just beyond the dog's reach. Terry said the dogs chased the orb into the thick brush, at which point he heard three awful yelps and then silence. For some reason, Terry didn't immediately go check on the dogs, which I don't get. If my dog yelps in the next room, I rush right in to check on his widow paw or whatever. I guess the Shermans had a slightly less parental and slightly more old-school marm relationship with their dogs, so instead, as Knapp wrote, Quote, the next morning, Sherman went to look for the dogs. What he found were three round spots of dried and brittle vegetation. In the middle of each circle was a black, greasy lump. 
Sherman surmised that his dogs had been incinerated by something. One thing for sure, the dogs were never seen again. The disappearance of their dogs prompted the Shermans to think about getting out, end quote. Oh, God, those poor dogs. The cows were also affected by these mysterious orbs. Terry would find his cows dead with extremely strange wounds, like holes in the center of their eyeballs or wide and shallow holes in the butthole area. But no blood and no sign of a predator having been there. But there would be a weird chemical-like odor in the air. Terry also found some of his herd mutilated in a way that ranchers across North America had reported finding their animals as far back as the 1970s with, quote, the ears, eyes, udders, and sex organs removed with surgical precision, end quote. In Terry's opinion, as an educated and experienced rancher and hunter, these injuries weren't typical of normal predators. The wounds were too clean and precise, and no blood was ever found around the animals. And then cattle began disappearing, leaving no footprints as though lifted from the spot on which they stood. Some spots from which a cow would have seemingly vanished were surrounded by a ring of broken twigs and branches. The remaining dogs seemed terrified, staying in their doghouse for days, refusing to come out even to eat. Who can blame them? A small herd of bulls disappeared and were later found inside a locked trailer packed in like sardines, with no logical explanation as to how they'd gotten in. Strangers, we have a new sponsor. Quince is my new go-to for high-quality but affordable fashion. And my Mongolian cashmere boxy crewneck sweater is my new go-to sweater. It's one of those sweaters that makes me look like someone who does clothes right. Every time I wear it, I get compliments. It's soft and luxurious, and I love it. And the cotton modal t-shirts I got are the softest shirts I've ever owned. Quince sources their cashmere from sustainable origins in order to secure top quality and ethical practices. In fact, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. Anyone who knows me knows how important that is to me. I don't want people to suffer just so I can wear clothes. You know, it's not worth it. And I know what you're thinking. Cashmere? Are you crazy? That stuff's expensive. Not at Quince, because Quince partners with top factories directly, cutting out the middleman so they can pass that savings on to you. Seriously, Quince's prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com strange for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot strange to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com strange. In mid-1996, the Shermans made a strange choice. Having lost 14 animals that made up a good portion of their livelihood and enduring all kinds of weird paranormal torture, they decided to go public with their story. I don't know why, at this point, they didn't just pack up and sell the ranch without mentioning any of the weird shit going on. I'm no realtor, but it seems to me making public the fact that your property is beset by whatever the hell was causing trouble for the Shermans doesn't exactly add value. 
At any rate, the resulting article by Zach Van Eyck, published in June of 1996, recounts many of the Sherman's bizarre claims and also includes plenty of skepticism, like the county records clerk assertion that nothing resembling the Sherman's claims had been reported in their 18 months of their residency at the ranch. Which is a fair point. Don't you think you might have called the official authorities at least by the time your expensive cattle was being mutilated? But if the county records clerk didn't know what the Shermans were going on about, there were at least two groups of people who did. Now, I don't know what the Shermans called their ranch, but the land that the ranch sat on was once home to the Ute Indian tribe. The Utes, in an all-too-familiar story, were pushed out by the Mormons and other white colonizers. The ranch land in question borders what is now the largest Indian reservation in North America, the Navajo Reservation. The Navajo and Utes fought against each other before, during, and after colonization. Both sides claim the other either enslaved them or sold them to enslavers. As a result of the feuding, the land the ranch ended up on had allegedly been cursed by the Navajo. After the land was cursed, according to the History Channel website, the Utes claimed, quote, repeated sightings of human-like creatures have led some to invoke the name Skinwalker, a shape-shifting character from Navajo tribal folklore. Among the Navajo, skinwalkers are like werewolves, evil witches who can transform themselves into creatures of their choosing, end quote. Modern-day Navajo takes skinwalkers very seriously and prefer not to discuss the phenomenon at all. Louise Sinijini, a spokesperson for the Navajo Nation Parks and Recreation Service, told the History Channel that such a curse was within the realm of possibility. In times of great desperation or wrongdoing, the oral storytelling does point to such events occurring. But Betsy Chapus, the cultural rights and protection director for the Ute tribe, said that she had never had anyone come to her office to talk about weird things on the ranch in the 30 years she had been in that position. She told the History Channel, That is the first time I have ever heard that story. It's true that the Ute and the Navajo have had a strained relationship over land ownership, but I've never heard any stories about a curse. Be that as it may, though, plenty of people over the years have claimed to have seen weird-ass shit on what is now known as Skinwalker Ranch. According to UFO historian and retired junior high school teacher Joseph Hicks, there have been more than 400 UFO sightings on or around the ranch since the early 1950s. Some of those sightings have been associated with cattle mutilations and that, quote, at least a half dozen eyewitnesses have told him they saw living beings in the windows or portals of the UFOs, end quote. According to Hicks, The UFO activity really started getting intense in the early 50s. There were cases where the whole school and all the teachers saw these things hovering over the town in broad daylight. In the 60s and 70s, we probably had more UFO sightings than any place in the world. Hicks believes these visitations are for research and exploration. And it's not just retired junior high school teachers who believe this. In the late 70s, Dr. Frank B. Salisbury of the Inquirer's Blue Ribbon Panel on Unidentified Flying Objects and author of the book A Scientist Looks at UFOs conducted a study and concluded, 
I think the evidence from my research is very strong, and I'd be greatly surprised if UFOs turned out to be something other than machines from outer space. Due to the staggering number of sightings and the fact that the area is so sparsely populated, it isn't hard to believe that the Uintah Basin might be a UFO base. The evidence is too overwhelming to ignore. Oddly, though, the family that lived on the ranch before the Shermans never reported a single solitary weird event. And they lived there for a whopping 82 years. And sure, the Shermans said the house was fitted with what looked like some pretty extreme security measures, but was it really? Who knows? We just have to take the Shermans' word for it. And very shortly after giving that first interview to the Deseret News, they clammed up. Robert Bigelow, a millionaire businessman and founder of the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NIDS, read the article and flew himself and a team to Skinwalker Ranch and offered the Shermans $200,000 for the land, which came with an NDA and an offer for Terry to stay on as caretaker of the property. The Shermans took Bigelow's offer and didn't give any more interviews. Pro tip, if a millionaire shows up on your 480-acre property offering to buy it, you better ask for a lot more money. Bigelow got that ranch for a song. According to Knapp, quote, the National Institute for Discovery Science, a Las Vegas research organization, decided to study the unexplained phenomena. NID's staff members include highly trained and educated scientists, engineers, and former law enforcement personnel with solid credentials, degrees, and experience. Although the organization investigates seemingly bizarre events, it has no preconceived ideas about the true nature of the subject matter and is primarily interested in getting to the truth wherever that truth leads." End quote. So, a place that played host to cryptids of all shape and size, as well as UFOs, light orbs, disembodied alien voices, and weird sounds, and mutilated or disappearing animals, was sure to be a bonanza for the NIDS team. They proceeded to conduct the most thorough and intensive study of a UFO hotspot that there'd ever been. According to Knapp, quote, they installed a command post, positioned video and other monitoring equipment around the ranch, built new fencing around the perimeter of the property to better control access to the site, constructed observation posts in the pastures, and staffed the property with trained observers. End quote. If something was going on at Skinwalker Ranch, NIDS would find it. And find it they did. Or... So they said, because wouldn't you know, no matter who saw something inexplicable or how close or clear the thing was, it failed to be captured on film or video. In one truly baffling incident, as Knapp described it, quote, Nids had installed three telephone poles in one of the pastures. Atop each pole was a sophisticated package of censoring equipment, including multiple video cameras. The cameras had a full view of that section of the ranch and were connected to video recorders back in the command post. At exactly 8.30 p.m., the three cameras on the westernmost telephone pole were suddenly disabled. When NIDS staffers went to check out the problem, they saw that something had shredded their electronic equipment. Wires had been ripped out of the cameras with considerable force. Plastic brackets were snapped in two. Thick layers of duct tape that had been used to secure the equipment 
had been ripped away. A foot-long piece of TV cable was missing. Analysis of the remaining cable showed it had been slashed with a knife, end quote. When the team went back to watch the footage from the other two cameras to see who or what had caused the destruction, there was nothing there. At the moment the third camera had been destroyed, there was nothing from the other two cameras to suggest anything out of the ordinary had happened. So clearly, whoever it was had seen Speed or Mission Impossible or any other number of heisty or spyish movies and had replaced the live feed with a loop of footage during which nothing happened. The team also claimed to have shot an animal that left a footprint similar to that of a velociraptor. They took a picture of it, and no, you can't see it because it's top secret. And only Knapp is allowed to see it because that makes sense and stop asking questions. All the while, cows continued to get mutilated in broad daylight with no one seeing anything unusual until they found the mutilated cow, or cows would simply vanish into thin air. And then there was a weird six-inch diameter, quarter-inch deep circle cut into the ice atop a frozen watering hole. The ice itself was no more than half an inch thick, so it couldn't have supported the weight of a person. And there were no footprints, except for cattle prints, on the muddy bank. Nids did everything they could think of to figure out the cause of this hole to no avail. Colonel John Alexander, a retired Army intelligence officer who consulted for NIDS and still worked on NATO projects, told Knapp that he came up with the term precognitive sentient intelligence. And another unnamed scientist with a very long and impressive resume agreed. He told Knapp, It's a very messy affair. Nothing is clear cut. It isn't as simple as saying that ETs or flying saucers are doing it. It's some kind of consciousness. But it's always something new and different. Something non-repeatable. It's reactive to people and equipment, and... We set up the ranch to be a proving ground for the scientific method, but science doesn't seem amenable to the solution of these kinds of problems. NIDS said their refusal to make their findings public was because there wasn't much to make public. They hadn't been able to gather enough actual evidence to make any kind of case for what was happening at Skinwalker Ranch. In 2004, NIDS disbanded and Billionaire Bigelow replaced it with an organization called Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies, or BAAS for short, which was somehow even more secretive than NIDS. Strangers, Smalls is back. Smalls is the cat food I haven't fed my cat. Not because my cat wouldn't love it, but because I don't have a cat. But if I did have a cat, let me tell you, I would be feeding that cat Smalls. Smalls was started by two guys in their kitchen making cat food for their friends and now has served millions of meals to cats around the world. Smalls skips all the fillers and preservatives and uses ingredients you might find in your fridge to bring your cats delicious meals that are closer to what their wild cat cousins eat out in the wild. Because let me tell you, you can take the cat out of the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out of the cat. Feed your cat's inner wild cat. Oh, that's a really good tagline. Smalls, you can have that one. See why more than 90% of Smalls cat food cats experience an improvement in their overall health. And if your cat won't eat it, you'll get your money back. 
It's 2024. Are you still feeding your cat kibble? Head to smalls.com slash strange and use promo code strange at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code strange for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code strange for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Strangers, our favorite cereal that feeds our inner child while feeding our grown-up self without all the sugar is back. Magic Spoon cereals bring childhood back with their delicious variety pack. Four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter, my personal fave. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs. A bowl of Magic Spoon cereal is actually a pretty great way to start the morning. Whether you're off to that fancy board meeting or you never get out of your pajamas, Magic Spoon will fuel your morning. Only 140 calories a serving, it's high protein, has zero grams of sugar, is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And if you're craving a sweet snack, do like me and get yourself a bowl of cocoa and mix it with fruity for a crunchy, chocolate-covered fruit situation. There's nothing to not love about Magic Spoon. Feed your inner child. Go to magicspoon.com strange to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code STRANGE at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, start the new year off right with a delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com strange and use the code STRANGE to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. In 2017, the New York Times revealed that Bigelow and Bass had received U.S. government funding for their research in 2007 to the tune of $22 million. According to that article, quote, The shadowy program, parts of it remain classified, began in 2007, and initially it was largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat, who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time and who has long had an interest in space phenomena. Most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by a billionaire entrepreneur and longtime friend of Mr. Reid's, Robert Bigelow. Mr. Reid said his interest in UFOs came from Mr. Bigelow. In 2007, Mr. Reed said in the interview, Mr. Bigelow told him that an official with the Defense Intelligence Agency had approached him wanting to visit Mr. Bigelow's ranch in Utah, where he conducted research. Mr. Reed said he met with agency officials shortly after meeting with Mr. Bigelow and learned they wanted to start a research program on UFOs, end quote. I won't get on my soapbox about how many people, $22 million, could house. Bigelow's government-provided bass funding ran out in 2011, which suggests to me that they still weren't able to produce any evidence of these so-called paranormal phenomena. Bigelow sold Skinwalker Ranch in 2016 to Brandon Fugal, a Utah-based real estate mogul and tech investor, which really just means a guy who is super smart about where to put his money. I don't know how much the sale was for, but you can bet your butt it was more than $200,000. 
Fugel and his team, like Bigelow and his team before them, wanted to study the area and try to find scientific explanations for the alleged activity going on there. To this end, Fugel remained anonymous for four years. He wanted to be able to do his experiments without the prying eyes of the media and public. But in 2020, Fugel came out from behind the curtain to reveal that he was the owner of Skinwalker Ranch and was excited to announce that he was partnering with the History Channel on a new reality show called Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, which once again leads me to believe there wasn't anything going on at the ranch. If there were, you know he wouldn't have invited camera crews. Now listen, is Skinwalker Ranch cursed by some centuries-old Navajo curse, or is that just a racist excuse? If the Navajo were in the business of cursing the land of their enemies, don't you think a good chunk of North America would be cursed? Actually, come to think of it. Maybe there's some portal on that land that allows beings from other dimensions to stroll on through. According to history.co.uk, the History Channel's UK branch, quote, several folk claim to have seen bright orange and or blue lights in the night that flash dominating the sky. They're said to last around 10 seconds and can be viewed around 1,000 feet in the air, end quote. Perhaps these flashes of light are wormholes, like the ones theorized by physicists like my nerd crush, Michio Kaku. As George Knapp put it, quote, And if such portals do exist, could they allow beings on the other side to travel into our world? As wacky as it all sounds, leading scientists believe that wormholes and alternate dimensions are perfectly consistent with known laws of physics. If so, then it isn't much of a leap to suggest that UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot beings or other creatures, even poltergeists or spirits could come and go and never be detected by puzzled, mystified humans." End quote. And then there's the tectonic strain theory, which as described by Brian Higgins at utah.com, quote, hold on to your brain protecting tinfoil hats for this one, cause it's a doozy. Developed by neuroscientist Michael Persinger, this theory posits that geophysical forces like tectonic shifts, seismic activity, geomagnetic fields, and others may affect the part of the brain involved with creating hallucinations. Under this reasoning, everything people experience at Skinwalker is a result of increased seismic activity in the area. So those shapeshifters, UFOs, and portals are all just a result of the witnesses' brains going haywire on account of the imperceptible change to the local environment." End quote. Fugel thinks it might be all of the above and hopes his work will unlock some mysteries of the universe. But allow me, if you will, to quote from a review of the History Channel's Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, written by American author and independent scholar specializing in the study of fringe theories, particularly around ancient history and extraterrestrials, Jason Colavito. Quote, the supposed mystery of the 500-acre Skinwalker Ranch is entirely a modern creation fabricated in the late 20th century, and as a result, the stories told of the ranch's supposed supernatural phenomena bear all the hallmarks of the era in which the myth formed. Cattle mutilations, UFO sightings, poltergeists, rather than those popular before or after. 
There is something a little dated about probing mysteries that were au courant when the X-Files were still new. But that's been the History Channel shtick for more than a decade now. The myth of Skinwalker Ranch was created in the mid-1990s when Las Vegas journalist George Knapp, famous for his credulous reports about aliens in Area 51, began crafting it from stories told by the then-owners of the ranch. He grafted those stories onto local UFO-slash-paranormal folklore from the 1974 book The Utah UFO Display to create a longer history for the ranch's supernatural events. Nothing recorded in the 1990s, however, was particularly unusual by the standards of supernatural folklore until Robert Bigelow began to pour money into investigating, and Knapp amplified the mystery with a book sensationalizing the ranch as the world's preeminent paranormal hotspot. Fugel speaks about the ranch serving as a place that will help him to understand the nature of the universe and dimensions of existence beyond the physical plane. And I can't help but think that there is something symbolic about a group of middle-aged white guys in a high-rise conference room thinking that they have exclusive access to the secrets of creation. Perhaps, in our current climate, throwing back 30 years to investigate the popular paranormal mysteries of the 1980s and 1990s, like cattle mutilation, is TV comfort food. Quite possibly, those watching a network whose average viewer is a white man around 60 years old like seeing very slightly younger white men pretending to take decisive action and pretending to master supernatural power. But what I see is a slow-paced effort to create another impenetrable mystery that can be spun into a male-bonding pseudo-soap opera as tiny crumbs of information play out over endless episodes. End quote. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Okay, strangers, you can take off your tinfoil cowboy hats now. Next time on Strange and Unexplained, there once was a man who claimed to discover hidden roads all over Great Britain. And while his theories about what they were and how they got there were maybe a little out there, they were nothing compared to what his predecessors came up with. Ley lines from mysterious trade routes to aliens, cancer, and racism. If you want even more Strange and Unexplained, head on over to our Patreon where you get three bonus episodes a month for just five bucks. And for seven dollars, you get all that, plus all the regular episodes ad-free. Patreon.com slash Strange and Unexplained. Strange and Unexplained is a production of the Obsessed Network. This episode was written by me, Daisy Egan, and produced by Natalie Grillo and Angela Palladino. Research by Jess McKillop. Editing by Eve Kerrigan. Sound engineering and mixing by Jennifer Swatak. Our voice actors for this episode were Lauren Hooper, Luther Creek, and Ryan Garcia. We have a lot of fascinating and bizarre stories to share, but we want to get your episode suggestions as well. If you have an idea for a topic we should cover, whether it's a well-known case or something that happened in your town that the world hasn't heard about yet, head over to our website, strangeandunexplainedpod.com, and fill out the contact form. 
If you like our show, please help us out by rating and reviewing us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. A five-star review and a quick sentence really does help the show out a lot. If you don't like the show, you can leave a terrible review. The name of the podcast is The Monica Crowley Podcast. 